Hello and welcome to episode number 18 of our podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman. I'm Alexia Nail. And this, this podcast was recorded pre-lockdown on the 17th of March this year. Uh, mm-hmm. We just, or we, I, I haven't released it. I haven't done the things, topped and tailed it and stuff. So we're releasing it now. Mm-hmm. And it's quite interesting to mm-hmm. look back. Mm-hmm. You know, the power of hindsight and the way we were looking at things and a bit naively and all the rest and how it actually turned out so I think sometimes like that it's really interesting to see the difference between the two mm-hmm. yeah and there was obviously there was a couple of things in there that um, sort of like still stand the test of time post lockdown mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting and as always, we hope you uh, get some level of enjoyment listening to it. <laughs> Perambulations in Franglais. Now, what do you want to speak about? Because you're always asking me, but maybe we want to talk about something you want to talk about. Yeah, I, well, I'm always asking you, so maybe maybe yeah. you should ask me. Yeah. Elliot, what would you want to speak about? No, tonight? no, no, no. I'm not o- talk about. I'm and and what do I, Oh, what do I want to talk about? That's oh. it. That's it. Well, you're that- free to ask whatever you want <laughs> and make you happy. Well, the daffodils are going to come through soon. They are already in places. Oh well, there you go. That uh, spring is not really something that happens everywhere at the same time. Mm. So unfair. And. Everyone's shutting down. That's quite an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I spoke to lots of my uh, family in France, and they're housebound, and they're really a bit uh, worried about what's happening in England, and it's not really following the same paths as them. Like we all have different ways of doing things. You've chickened out, and <laughs> you're closing a bit soon, because that's what we. So that's the whole thing about suppressing a little bit the curve um, uh, and trying to extend the length of time where people are actually exposed to things for the most amount of people to be able to catch the disease without completely straining too much the NHS. And that's quite an interesting way of doing Instead of doing nothing and the whole thing spikes and then the whole zombie apocalypse comes along really. <clears throat> which is not really far from that really because we know that you know I think that 60% of people in the UK who have only 1,200 pounds or less of savings 60% of people wow. who have less than 1,000 we read that in the Saturday paper um, with the wife so um yeah, that's the thing, really, the uncertainty, how, that's what we've been talking about all along, really. Do you wait for others? Do you want to delegate the certain responsibilities to others and see a bit what happens? Or do you want to take responsibility and are you planning, you know, your not really in the last few years we've not been incentivized to save because there's not not 7% on my savers account and with HSBC on my business savers account where I put the money for my tax 
every month, I get 0.07% of interest. If I go overdrawn on my business uh, account, it's 32.4% or 294 or whatever percent it is. So that's that, really. You see a bit the loans and how preferential rate has been. So it's uh, the society in the last few years has been of people being able to borrow and and pay later, really, instead of saving, really. There's no incentive for you to save. And then the shit hit the fan pretty spectacularly. And then the government is having to do 330 billion pounds worth of loans to businesses and small businesses and individuals for them to be able to uh, pay things. And everybody's up in arms, it's a loan. Oh, wow. We're going to have to repay that money. Oh, my God. I was talking to my boss about this today because he was saying it's not really helping businesses out, is it? And I was like, well, it is. It is. It, he was, that's, that was the, the wording. He goes, they say they're ba- bailing businesses out, but it's a loan. And so it's not really bailing out. And I'm, I was like, well, but it, but it is bailing you out because the ideal situation is that you have money back you're a bit more cash rich so that you're able to cover stuff That's for a rainy day. It. That's, That's like the same for companies. It's the same on the individual level. That's same for, for everything. everything. But because yeah. you haven't done that, That's and I'm it. not saying that's the wrong thing because there's a point in a business where you've got to grow, you want to grow lots that's it. or you think that's the right idea and so you have to spend, spend, spend. That's it. But obviously the government's not going to just not ask for that money back because it's, it's going to ruin things. It's yeah. Christmas again. And actually it's going to be Easter and... But what he did say is that they aren't actually, um, they're not telling them the terms of payment. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I can't make a business decision mm-hmm. based on an uncertain mm-hmm. future with an uncertain so repayment. Had he got some savings, he would not have to well, make those good decisions. Yeah. And the decision will not be taken away from him. And the control, he will have complete control. But he for one reason or another whether yes he wanted to grow and therefore he wanted to invest in his business and and get loans and all those kind of stuff yeah that all that's gonna be having to be repaid really and yeah it's, so it's it really highlights a bit the two things we've been talking about really the two the two possibilities really you take responsibilities to be able to mitigate the change in the environment that is happening in front of you or you delegate the responsibility to somebody else in order for them to do the stuff for you really which doesn't really and that's as long as you know and then or we said um, uh, holding on and, and, and delaying your gratification is all as long as the as long as the environment is actually um, quite stable it's quite an interesting thing as soon as the environment become chaotic and things like that you need to act fast really and those things really so there's different ways of approaching things really in mm-hmm. a way and and well, yeah, uh, nobody... Well, we knew since uh, December and January that the virus was in China, really. So we've had like three months to prepare, really. 
that's the thing really so it's not a new thing is it? is it or did it happen last week and then it fell on us no it's been coming on for the last three months oh but it was in China oh yeah well yeah. It's, it's, China is really far away <laughs> and actually it's not really that far away and, and that's yeah it's again uh, yeah I think it highlights those two modes of thinking um, so the course I'm doing with the human givens uh, and the diploma I'm doing there's, there's two ways of uh, looking at a problem the, the world is going is not actually helping you and it's the, it's the world's fault that you're in that predicament because that's a possibility the world is like, at the moment it's maybe nobody's fault that the virus is coming along really it just happens really it's like all our uh, individuals and companies and things like that it's not really their fault the whole thing the environment is changing quite fast really so that's one possibility really and then so how do we cope with that really and or it's you who does who do not have the uh, appropriate use of resources to meet your needs in light of a change in environment there's only two ways of doing the whole lot and practice makes perfect not the thing really I kind of wanted to talk about this because I've been obviously reading about conspiracy theories with regards to it because I'm just my favourite stories that pop up every time something happens mm-hmm. and have you heard of event 201 mm-hmm. yeah so it's all around that basically because mm-hmm. they obviously obviously the was it the Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation or Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Johns Hopkins University simulated they got together in October last year and they simulated a virus outbreak 201 because they get around 200 epidemics that they deal with every year and the 201th um may be a pandemic like it like like this and obviously loads of like some of the videos are just all the the people talking about it are so great i love it when people there's a certain way that conspiracy people talk about stuff and they really go off on one and then they really play like they play like the different roles of the story they're trying to tell and so anyway they were saying that they picked a coronavirus to do the simulation and they ran the simulation out and they said that worldwide we're about they think around 40 percent prepared for a pandemic and they have the total death count to 65 million if if it was and this in the simulation it was in south america so and that links into what you were saying because it's going to be a lot of people who will continue to have that external locus focus and be like you know this isn't right this isn't right government's not doing this i don't agree with this etc etc blah 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 and in this situation I'm not really too I'm not it's not like I'm an authority to really be able to say this but it feels like that way of thinking and that way of doing is pro, is, isn't going to be very helpful to you mm-hmm. and it almost doesn't really matter it's too late now yeah it's yeah. like that, that's a good uh, policy after the events so pharmaceutical companies the government NHS certain hedge funds certain businesses are going to have to be put on uh, on uh, we're going to have to dissect a bit the way they go about making profit really 
So all the masks uh, to protect uh, why isn't there any mask to uh, protect the NHS staff for them not to catch viruses if there was a pandemic? Why isn't there a stockpile of that? How come we've outsourced all the most of the production of generic medications to uh, India and China? Um, we talked about the uh, hurricane in Puerto Rico at one stage, and I was looking, I was listening to a podcast from Joe Rogan, the one you passed on to me, uh, with uh, me, Michael, I can't remember his name, uh, Ostrom, Osterum, the epidemiologist, Ostrom, the epidemiologist and virologist from SIDRAP, uh, the University of Minnesota, and I think he's the Center for Infectious Disease, who's a, a, prof a professional, or is an expert on coronaviruses because of SARS in 2003 and mayors in the uh, Arabic Peninsula and he was saying that uh, well a hurricane uh, wipes completely Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico produces 85% of the saline bags in the world and there's a big shortage what's happening if if the US are, if the US I'm not going to talk about the British army or the French army but if we're talking about the US army do they are they going to ask China to produce their bullets that's it's in house you that's it really but there's a bit of a profiteering and we want to cut 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 costs or cut cut, cut costs in a way, and then we outsource the whole lot and that globalization, so that's uh, a way of actually seeing the definite effect of uh, globalization, basically. So, um, China has been on shutdown for the last few months, and, uh, well, the last container carrier boats are coming to port, and after that, there's no more boats, because huh? they've shut down, really. And they are reopening, and then because they uh, quarantined a bit too soon, the possibility of a second wave of a coronavirus in China is quite high. So, um, and we'll see, the time will tell, but a lot of things like respirators, you know, there was a really interesting thing at one stage in France, there was lots of uh, fires in the south of France, and, and, and they needed, uh, um, I don't know, we call them Canadair. Helicopter, helicopters? No, no, the planes who actually suck water, uh -huh. and then they go up, and then, you know, like they go on a lake, and they suck the water, and they, they suck, yeah, and then when they get to the fire, they release the water, that thing. We call them Canadair, I'm not sure how you call them in, in English. And so that's, that's the main thing, really. So the south of France, Marseille, and Nice, Mougins, all those places are investing a bit in those stuff in order to be able to combat uh, uh, forest fires and things like that, really. And uh, all of a sudden, one winter, there's shitloads of snow, and everything slows down because there's no, there's no snow plows. That's the thing, there's no enough snow plows, but it never really snows in the south of France, to that level, really. So, and everybody's up in arms, that there's not enough snow plows. So, you want the local authorities, um, uh, any given year, to be like, okay, guys, we increase the uh, tax a little, because we need to buy snow plows, just in case, in five years' time, it's going to actually snow too much, and we're going to have too much disruption for three days. Everybody's going to be... 
completely up in arm and not, why are you not spending the money in a whole thing about forest fire and uh, building more, more how we use our resources if we knew about the whole lot and saying it's difficult to predict a bit the snow but um, the guy from Sidrap uh, Michael Osterheimer or o- Osterholm Osterholm was really in 2017 he wrote a book and he was predicting a little bit the way the whole thing was going to happen with that coronavirus uh, possibility really and and the whole pandemic is that was going to ensue it was not really if it was a bit when and uh, everybody's pulling out some pulling out of the hat some quite interesting things really and it's quite bizarre and the news and how ill-informed people are about you know going in a sauna uh, you're gonna breathe really hot air and uh, the virus doesn't like heat like like yeah you might as well douse yourself with kerosene and and and, and, and swallow some really or others said oh no no you need to keep your mouth hydrated you need to keep your mouth moist at all time and then swallow some um, really warm <laughs> warm warm thing so your gastric juices are gonna are gonna digest the virus people have got a really quite interesting concept of how is it you actually breathe and how is it the air comes in in your lungs and how much you replace how much air in your lung when you breathe nobody really uh, you know nobody knows there's a, but this- a negative partial pressure in your lung mm. and your pleural space you've got no idea how it works really so let go in the sauna and breathe some really warm air and you're gonna fry your lungs you're gonna <laughs> Well, thankfully you don't, because your body cools it down as soon as. But this this all comes down to um, people making heuristic or emotional decisions, right? Mm Because Ebola hit hard in 2014, Mm -hmm. and then it took like around two years for them to have it under control. Mm -hmm. But whilst Ebola was happening, Mm -hmm. I can't remember what measles measles Mm -hmm. and uh, was it rubella as well? Was Mm -hmm. it something else Um, in Congo? Yeah. There was a massive outbreak on that mm-hmm. because they diverted their attention onto one thing, mm-hmm. and obviously that's great. Mm-hmm. But we—it's like why are we? Why do we time and time again treat things as if they're like relatively simple? Mm-hmm. Like for example, we started doing this podcast like a year ago, and for like three or four podcasts, I don't think we actually put out. We were banging on, or you were banging on mm-hmm. about how bacteria like the antibiotics are going to be ineffective Mm -hmm. probably completely in the future Mm -hmm. at some point Mm -hmm. so we need a new antibiotic Mm -hmm. and then the big pharma went to the government and asked Mm -hmm. them for an advance on it all Mm -hmm. and it's just it's actually not quite not quite the government is quite happy to actually compensate pharmaceutical companies for the research they do on antibiotic resistance that doesn't lead to a viable product. Mm, yeah. That's it. So it's like a bit nationalizing a bit the whole lot, really. Which actually, uh, Jeremy, hail Jeremy, uh, was actually suggesting we did was to actually, which is already partially done, basically, because the government already, the Tories have actually uh, given the green light, and I think it's David Cameron, for pharmaceuticals to be compensated for research that they do on antibiotics resistance, new antibiotics for bacterial resistance, 
Euh, that doesn't lead to a viable product because it's difficult. It's a di yeah, it's very difficult. It's very costly. Well, yeah. How much? T tough luck. <laughs> tough luck. What did you do? You're in a business of doing what? Of ah, making money. Okay, fine. <laughs> so we we give you uh, we bail you out when you do research that doesn't lead to a viable product because on that subject you're not going to shift your 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 market your profiteering model. The government, the pharmaceuticals are not going to budge on a model of commercial model they are actually using to run their businesses, despite the fact that it's in even their interest. Because the, the director of the big pharmaceutical company, the guys at the board of the pharmaceutical company, when the antibiotics are uh, uh, resistant to everything, they're going to be fucked as well. Because that's the thing, really. It affects... <laughs> it's, not, it's not about everybody else. It's about everybody. It's everybody. You can't do surgery. You can't do chemo. You can't do anything without antibiotics. Like, the ramification of it is... You don't even... We don't even comprehend the food industry. All those kind of stuff is completely bonkers, really. And questions need to be asked. But nobody... is business as usual. And no doubt... The whole capitalism has led to really an awesome progress in terms of science, in terms of, in terms of uh, vaccination, in terms of research, in terms of uh, engineering, in terms of everything, economic, wealth. We've extracted so many billions of people out of absolute poverty with that capitalistic model type thing. As soon as India changed its way of actually uh, doing things because they were a little bit on the socialist type stuff initially after the independence, the whole stuff was poor and it was just benefiting a, a, a tiny proportion as soon as they open the market to the world that's what China is doing that's what Russia is trying to do that's why with the oligarchs who actually got all of it to start with and saying it, it's, it's not a problem but there's certain situations where there's an ethical uh, questioning and we have to be a little bit cautious because it affects us all that's it really it's not oh there's a pandemic it's like yeah this was Because on the books for such a long time, really. Mm. We are so ill-prepared. Uh, even uh, us, oh, don't, uh, don't touch your uh, face with your hands. Yeah, don't. it's like so difficult. So difficult. How mm. many times you have got glasses? How many times do I put my hands to my thing to, to touch my glasses? So much. You use your phone. How, much, how many times do you bring your phone to your face? So many times. Again, your phone is filthy <laughs> when it comes to bacteria and things like that, really. But we, the, the, the thing I wanted to say before was that we, it looks like we, we're, we're constantly blinded. Like we're, we're going through things. Context, yeah. Context, yeah contextually blind. Mm -hmm. Cartextic. And the Michael Osterholm dude, there's another woman called Jessica Livingston who I've read a really good article from and another number of people who have been working on things related to do with covid have all said that we're, we're just massively unprepared for something like this and there's so many things that we could have done we could have we could have tested some vaccines that we had for mers sars things like that on different types of covid or coronavirus mm -hmm. um 
and you know like you say filtered masks and stuff or things that are actually going to benefit the nhs the nhs is massively overstretched as it is and we haven't we're yet to see how much of a stress it's going to be on on the nhs Mm -hmm. and it's uh and then also all of these people say don't wear don't wear face masks don't bother wearing face masks they do nothing apart from one of them was like wear a face mask for for the placebo effect mm-hmm. or for coughing or well, when, it, when you're the one coughing yeah. wearing a mask is good for others it prevents others but from then getting it it keeps the dirt in, in the, the mask then you have to replace the mask because better using a tissue and getting well, rid of it well you're already infected anyway so it yeah. doesn't really matter yeah, yeah, true but uh, you, it prevents you from infecting too many people yeah. else so yeah and then, and then as this Michael dude said as well and then these other people it's like taking multivitamins or probiotics or any of this stuff there's absolutely nothing that says that it's going to help in any way so if you take it it's, it's, you just take it for a placebo effect mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite interesting how there's just so much misinformation everywhere mm-hmm. Um, we we're constantly driven by emotional, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, by emotion. It's what you want. You want it to be effective. You want it to help you, but you don't really need it. Wants and needs, again. So it's the same story, really. Um, I've listened to a good podcast again today about the neurophysiology of anxiety and the limbic system. Um, and it's exactly that really your reptilian brain your hypothalamus especially hippocampus and amygdala tend to really drive the whole lot it drives the whole lot really you might think that your cortex is really what is actually making you who you are but actually as soon as you're a bit hungry a bit pissed off a bit emotional a bit whatever which is like 95% of the time your cortex is completely blurred the thing is there's so much signal from your reptilian brain to actually keep you alive that you you make the least good decisions the what we've been talking about for the last year is how to manage stress that's it really and really simple thing really simple model develop a little routine every day in and use the discomfort and the pain you're experiencing in your body if you're lucky enough in order to direct you and, and direct you to what needs to be done really and, and use a bit the dialectic about it and the tissue causing pain so the skin and the muscle that crosses the area and the organ which is related to it which in your peripheral uh, modulation and we got a central modulation which is to do with the expectation you have of what the um, area and the part should enable you to do if it was not painful and that's really driving you and then there's the archetypal part of thing which is another story really which is a story which is a metaphor and a and meaning seeking part of it really which is dopaminergic really it's is a drive of of the whole thing really so and that's dopamine is mostly part of your limbic system great so that that really helps you to maybe have some degree of control over your limbic system and that's becoming quite an interesting thing really because not many people talk to you about that really and then um, during the during the quarantine because 
we might not be able next week to actually talk to each other or do the podcast because we might actually be confined to our homes. Um, there is a very interesting uh, programs about um, Freudian ideas applied to marketing and politics uh, from a journalist called Adam Curtis and it's called The Century of Self and The Trap and that's really it's like four or five hours per program so it's like four or five episodes per, of one hour per program who's describing a little bit the use with the psychotherapeutical model of Freud as had and others as had on uh, affecting people, decision making of people to be able to buy the shit they want rather than the, the things they need and how to, how to manipulate it a bit and to play on that limbic system and what we talked about last week to be, to, to be free to, to be under the impression that you're free to do whatever you want to be happy and, and, and how, how completely deluded the whole thing is and it's quite an easy watch basically because we what what adam curtis yeah 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 Le and he's the guy who did later after those hypernormalization right? and because yeah. i watched the trap first part i think uh -huh. or first episode uh -huh. and then i actually listened to a podcast that he did with russell brand uh -huh. um which is really it was really interesting because i don't think he got anywhere near where he wanted to with the discussion because russell brand is quite um He jokes around quite a bit and he broke up the conversation. And when I watched the, when I then also watched the trap, because it's a weird concept, the idea of us being controlled to be happy or like not being controlled, but being sold an idea to be happy and kind of controlled in that way and kept in a certain way to consume. And I think most people agree with it, but it's kind of like then even people who agree with it and hate it still end up in. Back, we, back do we, doing we all do it we all do, do it of course it. of course and and then the idea of trying to figure out something like a different way outside of that it's quite like a difficult idea then and that's all over hypernormalization. but it's not really that well explained because i guess it's explained in the other two tv series mm -hmm. so yeah the century of self the first episode is is, is that the first yeah yeah, one? yeah. As in, it was, is that before the trap? Was the trap? Yeah, yeah, well, it's a bit <clears throat> similarly interesting type thing. It's a bit like the marketing and the war effort and all the rest and thing and the Freudian ideas, really, about us having those little gremlins inside us who do bits and bobs and then the fact that we've got no control over the world lot and thing and now our emotions are actually driving a bit the whole lot and things like that really so we look at you know at one stage um, you could not study emotions as a psychologist studying emotion was completely stupid really it was like gobbledygook really ouais. when nowadays it's like a big neuropsychology uh, part and neuropharmacopsychology part of uh, the study of uh, emotions which is really quite important, really. And uh, sensation and perception and emotions, there was all that kind of problem about what's driving what, what's, 
uh, what's the use of them and all those kind of things. It becomes quite interesting, basically, and having all a bit that knowledge and uh, and why well, we see. Huh? Um, we in Bristol we're gonna have uh, no access um, to the center of town with diesel cars really. So um, is your electrician that you need gonna have to come at night because he's got a pet, he's got a diesel van? Um, is there good park and rides around Bristol to be able to park your car? Have they got electric buses? Um, and, How does it work, really? It's just... It sounds like it doesn't really apply, but I think it's really that, really. We might feel like we need to do the whole lot, really, but do we want it? And it might uh, appear that we don't, don't want it or want it, but do we really need it? Are we ready for it? Or ready for it, really? Is, is it really about not having any diesel car in town? It's more about why, why and what for do you use your car? And the problem is you use your car to take your kids to school. Because there's no... There's, you don't want your, your kids to be walking on their own because there's lots of pedophiles and murderers and, and viruses and, and dog shit on the pavement, really. And they might get dirty their shoes and all the rest, really. You want to shelter them and keep them like in little tube um, that is an extension of the stuff. You don't want them to use their little legs. You don't want them to be able to breathe the horrible air, all the rest, really. That's, we, we shelter the whole lot. Because you know you can be so safe in your car. All, all, all that thing, really. And it becomes really completely weird, really. So is it really what you want, but is it really what you need? Like you're in town, you're in a city. Why can't your uh, kids walk? Oh, ah, yeah. You gain time. You might not have to wake up as early. You can maybe have breakfast all together and enjoy that kind of thing. And then you jump in the car and you take your kids there. And maybe, because you finish a bit later, maybe your kids can come back, uh, then, ah, yeah, but no, you need to control where they are, because they might go, and, it be, and there might be somebody behind the bush who flash their whatever to them, <laughs> or, or entice them to uh, sell their bodies, or, to, or body parts, or could maybe take drugs, or kind of, and it can be, it's a really scary environment, really, like, green spaces in town are, are like, like a place of filth and, 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 and danger. It pathologizes, pathologizes us a little bit, really. So that's one way of looking at cars, in a way. It's status. Great. I can have more status because I've got a nice car. You don't even pay for it. It's not even your car. And you have to work an extra 20% of the time to be able to pay for it. Wow. That's eight hours a, a week. It's at the end of the year. It's quite a fair, fair amount of chunk of work, really, that you have to delegate the stuff just to get some status, really. The sac so it's sacrifice. It's how much um, I don't know. It's all, all the risk, all the rest and thing. If you're safe in a car and you've been sold that that car is really safe, like that's it. They play straight away on your emotions and they play on what you want. You want to be safe. Okay. 
Who doesn't want to be safe? Everybody wants to be safe. Well, talk about coronavirus. It's all about safety, really. We talk about, really. The state is providing us with safety. That he obviously can't provide us. Yes, it's your immune system who provides safety from the whole thing. How do you influence your immune system? You manage your stress. Because I can tell you, cortisol and DHEA is going to affect your immune system far more. And the influence of persistent and ongoing stress is going to influence your immune system so much more, really. And you can take suppositories of, of poo transplant if you want, but it's not going to help, really. <laughs> Or unless it makes you less stress and you feel like it's a, a placebo effect. That's why it's on about, really. No, it's really you're not safe in your car and if you were assessing the risk the real risk you take to take your kids to school in a car compared to them walking you you would actually not be able to put your key in your in a contact you'd be so nervous and you your limbic system will have to have a bit of panic basically you'll be on a panic mode really and and Well, you would not use your car. And how much tax have we got on a liter of petrol at the moment? So three weeks ago, it was 78%. And the crude was $57 per barrel. And this week, the crude is less than $33 per barrel. So and the diesel and the wood lot has not really dropped that much by 20p. <laughs> yet because <laughs> it's almost half this 40% less so the price of the at the pump should be 40% less but it's not so somebody is making a good uh, bit of money really mm -hmm. out of the whole lot really for you to be safe uh, and that's if we start to look at things like that it becomes a bit dangerous because you can't you're less able to be manipulated You're less mm. able to be enticed to do things that you don't really need. It's not fulfilling a need. It's actually pretending to fulfill a need. And that becomes a bit pernicious. And, and the extent of it, to be able to live with others in an organized society, I think it's a bit... It becomes difficult, really. Because you need a degree of oppression from the system in order to keep, apparently the lead on all that really and there's not not many other ways of looking at it really and, and conceptualizing the whole stuff really apart from nazism and communism um, we can pretend to be in the middle but it's a bit of you take responsibility and it's your shit or the state take all responsibility and that's it full stop the world is is the problem and it's nothing to do with you or you're the problem and in light of how the world changes really full stop again we go back to that it's super interesting it's amazing i'm i'm loving it at this stage because it's really highlighting the shortfall and then we see a bit the you know I was more thinking about the baby booms is going to be in January 2021 <laughs> or February 2021 from from people being at home because once you've watched all of Netflix and you've repainted your walls if you bought a bit of paint in preparation 
and you've done a few bits and bobs and you've cleaned your bedroom and you've uh, cut your nails and you've washed your hands for the 723rd time what do you do intimacy a bit which would be cool and things like that but you didn't you forgot you bought loads of loo rolls and you forgot that the loo rolls are not really helping to not get babies and you should have maybe bought a box of condoms just in case and I think we should actually the government should actually or maybe that's why the government doesn't give us a grant to buy uh, condoms a bit cheaper <laughs> at the moment that's it because it maybe want more babies in uh, January and February once we've culled uh, when the coronavirus has culled the weaker <laughs> one fucking hell <laughs> but I don't know it's, it's uh, you can be so cynical and you can course. look at it like that and you can be like oh you're not very nice it's like well I haven't chosen who the coronavirus is going to I might actually be I might actually die from the coronavirus who knows I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's it, that's it, that's it. you're in contact with a fair amount of people every day. I'm in contact with a fair amount of people. We need quite a lot of people to have it in order to play a bit the game of herd, apparently, all the rest and things. Really. What, so, the, the herd immunity? Immunity, that's yeah, such yeah. A, that's such a silly thing to say. Yeah, we're a bit like cattle, a bit. Oh, well, yeah, bit but like it was... Yeah. We need... In, but that's the vaccination. Oh, so... Do we talk about immunization or vaccination? Yeah. Why not? Well, because you don't want to freak people out. No, 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 no. It's just like, because um, there's anti-vax people who don't want their kids to be vaccinated. Yeah, but that's why I think you should talk about it, because there are a lot of anti-vax people, yeah. and which, which they're not 100% in the wrong. But there's a reason why we have vaccines and vaccines have helped us uh, like an in insane amount. No, we've been told vaccines have helped us an awful lot. That's the thing, really. What are you being asked to do at the moment with the virus? Self-isolate. And? Wash my hands. Wash your hands. Yeah, which doesn't really help because it's an airborne virus. Yeah, yeah. What, what washing your hands is on about? It's called? Hygiene. Hygiene. Ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, but I said, uh, well, over the last century or so, the effect of medical intervention on the mortality rate from infectious disease is pretty negligible. Yeah, but... Compared to hygiene, sanitation, and lifestyle. Okay, 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 okay. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just making a stuff, okay? The, the, the stuff, really. Just making okay? the stuff. I'm just making a point, really. That's the, the stuff, really, okay? We are being told that medical intervention is a panacea. That stuff, the, the, the vaccine is a solution. Uh, no, the solution is for pangolins to not shit on people in market in China. Okay? And to minimize the whole fucked upness, okay? Um, I think vegans, <laughs> I think vegans are gonna have the ethical ground, the higher ethical ground at the moment with antibiotic resistance. 70% of antibiotic consumption or a bit more is to do with, uh, a food industry. Okay? And you got like, uh, the swine flu, you got, uh, I think is the way we rear animals to feed us. 
Okay? So they need to be affected. Oh, we need a vaccine for swine flu. No, we need to review a little bit how we breed pigs. That's where the whole stuff is. And what is it to do with uh, um, why is there a swine flu? More likely. Because pigs are concentrated so many in a pretty filthy environment. That's the stuff, really. And they've been given antibiotics, which... <laughs> all the rest. Anyway. Is it really vaccines that can have the... So the only solution is the vaccine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ish. It's one part of a solution. The main causality of that uh, problem is that there's uh, markets in China, and I'm pretty sure the Chinese government is being a dictatorship, apparently, and a very authoritarian thing. They're going to crack down on those markets. It's going to be finished. They're not going to be able to allow that to happen again. They've taken the biggest plunge ever. They've got 1,400 million people to cater for. And the whole thing is going to shut down. And then it's going to come back. All the rest. They are, they've, you know, you can't have ferrets uh, on cages above chicken. In cages. You can't get... You need to segregate those kind of stuff as much as possible. So you don't get another virus shit and then there's so many people involved with that, really. Pangolin, little ant eater that is sold for his scales for Chinese medicine. That's, that's what has caused the epidemic we're having at the moment, really. It's sanitation. It's not because there's no vaccine. It's because the stuff happened in the first place, really. Yes, we could have looked at doing vaccines a bit more, but it's sanitation. It's a sanitary problem. The cause of it is a sanitary problem. And after, there's isolation, there's hygiene, there's all those kind of stuff. Yes, great, but it's not... Yeah. A lot of the mortality... The decrease in mortality from infectious disease for the last hundred years or more is not to do with medical intervention, it's to do with hygiene, sanitation, and lifestyle. Yeah, and water, which is probably sanitation or uh, We live in, a, I live in Western Bird, and in Western Bird there's Mr. Holford, who created the Western Bird Arboretum, and the lovely Western Bird Girls School, or co-head school nowadays, and he made his fortune in... When? The last cholera outbreak in London, which was just at the time when they were thinking about microbial life, all those kind of stuff. They still had not, but all of a sudden they saw the well that the water was being taken out for drinking and for eating were, had been contaminated by foul water and from shit, really. And then he made his fortune from, by segregating the drinking water from the sewage. That's how we made his, his thing. And that's called mm. sanitation. sanitation. And since there's been no yeah. cholera in London. But, 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 but. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but make, you make a very valid point. And, it's a more, and, more than a and, valid point. And, and, and well, yeah. and I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. But for someone like myself, who yeah. can be quite uh, suggestible at times, mm -hmm. When I've listened to some people talk about vaccines, mm -hmm. you included, mm -hmm. year, like year, this was years ago, mm -hmm. and I think this was before we we were doing the course and the podcast, and then I really started to I I heard what you said something about vaccines or whatever, I th and I went away and read about it and was like, oh, there's no point in having vaccines. There's there's no point. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that at all. No, no, I know. I'm that's that's that why all. that's why I'm saying yeah, what yeah, I'm saying yeah, right yeah, now yeah. Mm-hmm. because you're you're completely right in that, and even even like I can't remember if it was that other. I can't remember who it was I listened to who said this. I think it was it, it was with regards to the face masks and. Uh, taking multivitamins because like for the placebo effect could be quite good but the the negative of it is that the face mask will hold germs next to your face if you unless you're going to change it every time you you put something in it the surgical mask but also um nearly all of the masks that aren't aren't proper filtered like they'll hold stuff next to your face like most of them you can get hold of and it will also lead you into a false sense of security i can't remember they had like a really nice word for that but essentially and it's this is the, of course the same with the vaccines but essentially you you take something and then you then think that you're going to be completely fine and you don't take other precautions whereas the only reason you should be doing something like the face mask and some, some multivitamins and stuff like that is when everything else is one is 100 you're washing your hands all your time you're doing the 20 seconds the blah 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 And that is the same as the vaccine, right? But um, what? Say some positive words, maybe. Could you have any positive words for the vaccine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaccines when they are administered in the right tissue at the right time for the right person in the right environment for the right reason. I think it, it's quite an interesting thing because it's more likely to trigger some immune response in the subject and therefore is more likely to be immunized because we don't really give a fuck about the vaccine. It's, it's, vaccination is the main problem. Immunization is great. Immunization is great because that's how it works. The first time your body is actually exposed to a new pathogen, you have a bit of a delayed immune response. Okay? And uh, we could enter into the debate about cytokines, whatever, all the rest with your leukocytes, all your white blood cells, and the way it works, and the whole lot, really. But you, you need to have a memory response. We've got a library of exposure of our suffering is and the way we handle others into our immune systems which when re-exposed to it we have learned how to actually deal with that pathogen and therefore it's so much more easy to not get too poorly from it because that's the thing the vaccine doesn't even prevent you from catching it you still catch it If you've been vaccinated for measles and you're sure you're immunized, because I'm not too sure if you are sure you're immunized, and because of the herd vaccination, that's why we want to vaccinate a lot of people, because we've got we got got no inclination to actually check individually whether people are immunized or not in order to cut costs, because it costs a lot of money. Yeah, because the life of people it doesn't cost too much and we can tell okay no 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 no. let's let's not test them to see whether they're immunized or not and we t- we we look at computer models and we think that the overall population coverage is 87 percent and therefore it should be fine 
That's it, that's it. That's, that's, that's what vaccination is on the bad. And mm-hmm. vaccination is on the bad, okay? So it's, a, it's about the communal part of it. Okay? It's not really about individual. And it's not really about immunity. It's about... It's about what the government and, and we're told they are trying to t- do to us. And some of it works really well. And a lot of people get really well immunized. Often they got quite bad side effects from the vaccine. Bizarrely, because they got a quite strong immune response. And immune response are usually not very pleasant. Uh, you got a fever. You might have a, a bit of ache in your muscles. You might have a little cough and a bit of a headache. And you might be a bit lethargic. Ah, that sounds like... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> besides the point, okay? That's the thing, really. Vaccination is really to be... Is, we need to scrutinize a bit the way we do that, even on the individual level and on the global level. The vaccine doesn't prevent you from catching the illness you've been vaccinated for, even if you're immunized. Because even if you're immunized, you're going to catch it and you're going to have mild... A mild... Symptom. Ah, oh, no, if you're vaccinated, it's fine, you won't have it. No. Sorry. No. You need to have been... Ah, uh, no, but no, that's it. That's the problem a bit. Is that panacea? Yeah, that yeah. That problem a bit, really. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, like, my kids have had the flu vaccine this year because it's in the mucous membrane. It's not in your bloody arm. Last time, I caught, I caught, oh yeah, I caught the, oh, oh, I caught the flu. Got stabbed in the elbow or in the forearm or in the bloody shoulder or in the bum. What? Catching the flu in your muscle? That's maybe not the best issue to get it. Where mm. are all the Lange hand sales? I was thinking this because obviously I was supposed to go to the Philippines. And last yeah. Wednesday, mm-hmm. I went and got my vaccines. Mm-hmm. And they gave me four. Yeah. And in one in each arm, yeah. both had two. Yeah. Two in one. Yeah. And obviously, for the, for the rest of the day, I've, you know, I felt pretty much fine. And then the next day sort of felt okay. But... My shoulders were aching a lot. Aching, but maybe it was that actually. It felt like I had done a heavy workout just on my shoulders. <laughs> and then I was like, then I was thinking about how the different ways that you could catch, catch the coronavirus, like the different, the many different orifices it could go into or bacteria. Oh, that's it, that's it. And, and how, imagine how like bad, like a real nasty bacteria or viral infection could be in your eye. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, hang on a minute. What does that mean about the vaccine that they put in my arm, in my, in my, in my tissue, delta, in, delta, in my, in my in muscle, muscle tissue? It's an intramuscular thing. Yes. yes. So w- what does that mean? Does that mean that, like, I'm not, no, I, no, no. I, I'm unlikely to catch those things in that place? Uh, do you know if you're immune or not? Have you been no, testing to I, see? I'm whether not. You're I'm immune? not saying whether I'm immune. Oh, yeah. okay, I'm just okay. saying I think if I was to get, yeah. let's typhoid. say, hep A or ty- typhoid yeah. or tetanus. Yeah. Would, am I likely to get it in the muscle, like in, in muscles, or uh-huh. is it likely to enter through uh, yeah. saliva or through there or, uh-huh. or in a, a cut? In, uh-huh. Therefore, mm-hmm. so exactly. what, what does that mean? That's it. Uh, no, no, the vaccine is developed like that for it to be sold to the masses. That's the thing, really. The way the, the vaccine has been dispensed, administered to you is in mostly intramuscularly 
and or orally or nasally okay which is quite interesting there's different ways okay but it's a way it's been manufactured and why would you want to do that because it's cheap for you for people for the pharmaceutical to actually manufacture it like that en masse that's it really and it's quite good for the doctor to be able to do it at the time it's convenient on Tuesday or when you go on to the Philippines or whatever really it's just it's just for convenience it's all for convenience it's not really for you to develop as an individual the whole immunity you're not even being checked before you go to the Philippines okay there, there is such a blind faith that that vaccine and the way it's administered at the time it's administered in the in, in the tissue it's administered the time it's administered for the person it's been administered and the, with the behavior you have to be administered okay it, it's really complicated and obviously we don't want individual to take the responsibility for that kind of stuff People think that they're going to not catch the virus because they're going to breathe hot air from the sauna. <laughs> That's the extent of people's knowledge about how breathing really works, really. Imagine the extent of the knowledge of people about their immune system, okay? And I'm not even, I'm, I've not even scratched the surface of the whole lot, okay? And I'm not an expert on the subject. I'm just asking questions in a way, okay? And I'm not anti, I'm actually, pretty much against vaccination. I'm very, very pro-immunization. I think it's great. Immunization is brilliant, really. I think it's awesome. Because <laughs> it means you're exposed to the whole lot, and the second time you're exposed to it, you got far less symptoms. Great. Yeah, to minimize suffering. I think it's all what it's on about. But it's, it, it uh, asks an awful lot of questions, and there's loads of things that... Um, um, certain chemotherapies, so me medicine, oncology, a lot of uh, chemotherapies are now administered at different time of the day. Uh -huh. <laughs> strange, strange, strange. How come? Ah, because it minimizes the side effect of the, of the medication and it enhances the potential effect of it. Great. And it's depending on the type of cancer that actually you have. Okay, that's, That's, that's pretty fucking interesting, really. Oh, there's a research about people who do shift work. Oh, well, it's very current. Who does shift work that we need at the moment? Nurses. Doctors, ambulance drivers, surgeons, uh, paramedics, uh, police people, army, all the security, all the rest. Yeah, we need all those people. Quite a lot, okay? When you go on Tuesday, because that's when the doctor does the uh, vaccine, okay? Because the doctor sets a date for the flu, for example, okay? And he said, ah, Tuesday, the 18th, uh, you can come to the whole lot. Okay, great. Everybody comes, bam, they jab in a, in a freaking arm, and then they can get on with the whole lot. Okay. And the doctor is like, cool, I've done my quota, I've ticked the box, everybody's done in my patch. Woohoo, good me. Okay, great, superb. People who are on nights, who turn up early in the morning after their night of work, are 90% sure not to be immunized. I didn't come up with that. 
Uh, it's it's out there, okay? There's lots of things about neurodegenerative condition because of people doing shift work. There's an awful lot of uh, science behind the effect of your circadian cycle not to be in the right uh, direction, okay? So, yeah, it's great. Oh, Bobby! Oh, I know you're a nurse. Um, are you able to come when you're not on nights? Or when is it you're on nights? Or on days? Okay, well, come when you're on days after a couple of days and you get a nice rest, and then we'll give you the vaccine. Oops, it took seven seconds. Ah, plus the answer of Bobby, eight seconds. It took me eight seconds to decipher when it was the best time for me to administer the vaccine to that person in light of the fact that there is actually a potential for them not to be immunized and we need them to be highly immunized. We want the rate of immunization of the vaccine to be great, really. Because vaccines are not too bad, actually. Some of them are not very good because they are just 50% immunization rate. Some of them have 87. It's pretty freaking good, really. But individually, if you're part of the 23, the seven, the 13 percent, well, you think you're immunized and therefore there's no problem. So your behavior can be, oh, well, I've been <laughs> vaccinated, it's all fine. That's it, that's it. So, that, so now we talk about behavior. So I've had meningitis B, viral meningitis B. Not, not bacterial, thank God for that. Uh, I might not have made it, but I've had... Um, so, who are the two peaks in the population of people who are uh, more likely than the rest of us to have meningitis B? There's two peaks in, in the population. Everybody's got the same rate of catching it, but there's two, two populations in the population, subpopulation, in the population, that tend to be more at risk for, for having meningitis B. Really poor socio-economic environment, under five year old children, in, in families who smoke, who don't have very good diet. Okay? Mm -hmm. And 18 to 20 year old boys who go to university coming from upper and middle class or upper middle class uh, environment. Mummy is not cooking the broccoli tonight. And you're not sleeping your eight hours. You're burning the candle. Ooh, Alexis, where did you catch your meningitis B? Oh, when I was in university. No shit. How old were you? Oh, fuck, I was 20 years old. Oh, shit. How come? Because I was partying like a dog. And I was not really cooking. Really, really nutritious thing. I was smoking. I was drinking. I was burning the whole lot. I was ex... Why wasn't... That's the thing. Shall we maybe vaccinate the people who can have... My son should have been vaccinated for hepatitis B. Hmm... How do you catch hepatitis B? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. There's intravenous mm -hmm. drug addiction when you take it up the arse as well <laughs> with a condom. All those kind of stuff is seven-year-old. We are quite promiscuous, obviously, in a family. Mm -hmm. We are really at risk of those kind of stuff and things. And we do class A drug under our eyelids, all this kind of stuff with dirty needles. But come on, what he's he's had it for happy? No, no, he was meant to. Huh. 
are we going to wait a bit for him to have to be able to develop the whole right behavior and thing? Build a bit more of a base immunity and stuff. No, like no, that no, as no. Well, I'm right? not talking about building a base immunity. I'm talking about is he at risk? Yeah. No, he's not at risk. No, he's not at risk at all. Of course, yeah. yeah. I, I meant, yeah, as in, yeah, it, I agree it, with he's you. He's not at risk, okay? Yeah. <laughs> How much at risk is he, okay? Yeah. How much more at risk is he of dying Almost by getting in zero. my car to go to school than he is to actually catching uh, hepatitis B? But then... Well, let, let, let's see, let's see. Because I think we <laughs> almost look at the figure already. Okay? Okay? But is is there not an argument to say that a young person's immune system is pretty good and maybe it would be good for them to have an introduction to, to Hep B when they're young to give them a high chance of immunity? No. No? Okay. I don't think. I'm just playing the yeah, advocate the of the, the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of arguments about the warlords. There's loads of different bits and bobs. We don't want the authorities, don't want you to take the responsibility and the decision about those kind of stuff. And they blanket the warlord and do a herd immunization, which is not a bad thing. The more people are immune, I'm not saying the more people are vaccinated. I'm saying the more people are immune, the more, the least the population is likely to have an epidemic of it. It doesn't protect anybody from catching the whole lot. Okay? Even the people who are vaccinated who are immune will catch the whole thing, but they love, if they do the behavior, if you do uh, intravenous uh, uh, heroin and with a dirty needle, you might even have hepatitis C, you might have AIDS on top of it, you might have all those kind of other stuff which you don't have a vaccine. But even if you're vaccinated, you get infected. Okay? You just don't develop the symptom an awful lot. Okay? It doesn't prevent you from having it. Okay, it's not like, oh, he's gone, I'm, I'm shielded, I'm in my lycra of light, my light lycra, it protects me from the evil of the whole lot. No, it doesn't. You catch it, but you don't have, if you got, if you got measles, and if you have been vaccinated against measles, and you're immunized against measles, you will get measles, regardless, and... One interesting thing, you might not have as much of symptom as the one who has been vaccinated and is not immunized. And you might not have as many symptoms as a person who's not been vaccinated at all. Because that, that's, that's, that's how undetermined it is. That's, no, 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 that's, that's, that's how it goes. You will but, get yeah. measles, but you will but not. You but, will not develop the symptoms. But that's you. how undetermined a vaccine is. You, if you might have a vaccine for measles yeah. and be Im slightly immunized or immunized to immunized, measles, you know, if you're and then great, and then you yeah. get measles, and then you might show worse symptoms than someone who hasn't been. No, no, no. I've not said that. Oh, is that what you say? No, no, I've not said that at all. What did you say? That you will have milder symptoms than the one who's been vaccinated who's not been immunized. Okay. okay? Yeah. And you might have milder symptoms than the one who's not been immunized. But could you have okay. worse... Could someone who hasn't been immunized have really, really mild ah. symptoms? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. So of th course. that's that's what I meant. Although, course, course, although it's really unlikely course, the scenario course, I was painting... But that's how undetermined it is. That's it, that's it, that's it. Because you might have been exposed to the whole lot several times. So you got that with a toxoplasmosis, for example, which is uh, with cats. 
So when people who've got cats, when they're exposed to toxoplasmosis pretty badly, they don't have that uh, much of a problem because they've actually, uh, people who are not with cats, if they cut themselves or whatever, however the whole lot happens, they tend to get toxoplasmosis pretty badly. Oh, yeah, because there's other things that, yeah. Mm. That's the thing, really. So... That's 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 the thing with um, someone I work with who, who I get who I really really like. He takes loads of medication, mm-hmm. and I just find it really funny how our relationship with doctors and is is so respectful and trusting, which is as it should be. Mm-hmm, but the information that's that's given to them, either they are happy to ignore it or they're not given the information. And the information is. Uh, on the course that we're studying, it really hit me when uh, I think it was Joe Griffin was talking about antidepressants or he was talking about drugs in general. Mm-hmm. And he was like, every single drug by definition is systemic, mm-hmm. which means that it affects more than one system mm-hmm. every single time, pretty much bar none, mm-hmm. because it's really, really hard for it not to, which means that you get side effects. Those side effects might be completely manageable mm-hmm. or like just as in you, you hardly feel anything mm-hmm. Or you ha- or then you have you feel something, and then and it's hard to manage, and then maybe you need something else to level out that side effect. Mm-hmm. So that deterministic way of thinking that this pill is the only way out of this this situation mm-hmm. that I'm in, and if I take this pill, I then need to take this other pill, mm-hmm. and then potentially later, later down the line, I need to up the dose or take another pill because it has another effect on some something else. Mm-hmm. And it's like that that way of thinking is so is obviously it's not really getting us at, mm-hmm. it's not not getting us anywhere but it's it's not very beneficial to us anymore individually yeah individually mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but it the oppression from the the whole organization is something you have to contend with and if you rely on antidepressants for you to not be depressed um that's, I'm afraid, something you have to contend with, really. Um, I had measles pretty badly, and I'm still scarred from it. Um, I had mums really badly as well. I'm, I was a laughing stock a bit of the family at one stage because of my balls being able to be carried in a wheelbarrow and the fact that I was going to be sterile, all the rest and thing. Um, we don't want people to suffer as a parent as a society why would you want to um, people who are who are in an in a environment which is quite sanitized and hygienic and i've got a diet which actually they eat more than they should with a, a variety of uh, fruit veg and all the rest okay um, the likelihood of them dying from an infectious disease is minimal compared to if you're in Yemen at the moment there's cholera you've just had it or you're shitting a bit sideways and if you and you've not eaten for a few days and maybe a week and you've months without really proper food and the the loo is really disgusting nobody's washing their hands about the whole lot you're filthy you're in hospital all the rest and if you catch meningitis or, or, or measles you're gonna fucking die much more likely yeah no doubt so some people need to be vaccinated no doubt 
because they are facing so much more hardship and it's only a good thing to try to prevent them from having that on top of all the other stuff, really. No doubt, really. I mean, that's the thing, really. I'm not saying that it's vaccination is not good. And I'm not dicing immunization at all. I'm just saying I'd like to have, I think, I have... I have, whether others have, and they can, they are free to make the decision. I'm not obliging anybody to do the whole lot. I'm just asking questions and I've made my mind about the whole lot. And when I speak to the doctor, if the doctor starts to shout and scream about the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm spreading diseases and they get quite emotional, uh, I'm not talking about, we're not talking about science here. We talk about, emotional people and it's I'm not doing that in an emotional fashion is it the right issue is it the right time is it the right person with the right behavior is it the right environment that's what I'm asking what is it in the whole lot how what's the research behind the whole lot how effective it is can we check whether my kid is immunized so that's all what I'm asking I'm not asking an awful lot. Yes, immunity is brilliant. Yes, vaccination might be. But I don't see it's a bit dubious, to my opinion. That, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Because there's some benefit from it. And yes, we've maybe have benefited from that. But not as much as washing your hands and not pooing in your kitchen on your, your chopping board of your kitchen. And... You know, I don't know. And plastic is such a shit stuff at the moment. There's micro beads everywhere. But the chicken that comes into your house, which is uh, in plastic, is called a bacteriological barrier. Okay? If you, what you get inside the plastic is, is been shielded by, from the place of production to you from all the shit that is out there. Okay? That's quite good as well. Yeah. No doubt. So there's loads of interesting things. Hygiene, sanitation, and lifestyle, and diet are really interesting things to actually not spread diseases. The coronavirus is nothing to do with us not having a vaccine. It's not the problem at all. There was people who were interacting with pangolins because they wanted to get benefit from the scale, the grinded scale of them because it's apparently doing, I'm not too sure the fuck it is. Okay? <laughs> and therefore, they were exposed by that for years, not for the one day, for years. And they've been told for a long time that we have to be careful with those kind of stuff. And they diced it. That's all really. And the... Those people, the Chinese government, us, our government, are now facing the limitation of all the rest. And it all falls along, really. That's the thing. And there's no vaccine for another year or 18 months. Yeah, well, we need to rely on our immune system. And the first exposure to that kind of stuff is going to be dicey for a lot of us, really. And remember, we talk about pneumonia. Mm. Okay, so when we talk about so they were to, uh, Mr. Uh, Michael the Scov uh, seed wrap uh, guy was saying that Osterholm. That's it. He was saying that sixty percent of the or seventy percent of the men who are over sixty in China smoke. 
And that's one of the main reasons it was possibly with the statistical thing, which we know about, whatever the, whatever the conspiracy and the whole stuff, because the Chinese are a bunch of bastards, whatever, which are maybe they are not, and they've done what they could to mitigate the stuff with the tools they had, and they quarantined 60 million people really quickly, okay? And I'm saying we are, anyway. And so those people died, preferentially. Uh, Uh, Amer Americans who are in their mid-30s who are 26 stones who smoke who've got diabetes who gonna cough for 6 to 8 hours a day after having that stuff are they likely to get pneumonia I'm not too sure so maybe a lot of obese uh, middle-aged Americans are gonna die because they are just too big And it puts so much pressure on, uh, if you can't, if you can't bend forward to do your shoelaces without passing out or not being able to breathe, there's a problem. Your abdominal content is pushing on your lung. Because that's where it is really a bit. And that's the problem really. And the uh, extra weight is having so much pressure on your cardio pulmonary system, which that, va that uh, particular um, virus is putting pressure on. So maybe it's not only old people. In France, in the northeast of France, in, uh, apparently, I was speaking to my mother today on the phone, uh, on uh, WhatsApp, or FaceTime, whatever, and she was telling me there's lots of young French people dying in, who are in intensive care, who are really having a bad time in France, really. But a lot of uh, young French people smoke, and they vape, and all those kind of stuff, really. They are not... They are mitigating their stress by vaping and smoking. Well, yeah, little you knew that one day it will come to a bit of a halt, really. And if you're quite stressed, if, you're, if your cortisol level is not up to scratch, all the rest and thing, that's it, really. It's, we are all on the same page, really. And it's, I'm not too sure, uh, and I can't freaking stand the world it's not fair but it's, it's not a Disney movie it never was is that it it's not like anyone said it's here's not. life son and it's going to be really fucking fair until it isn't that's it it's like it's not the, it's not even worth talking about it not being fair because it's just that's a given that's it that's it oh but it's going to be Darwinian selection as if it wasn't already. And we are under the impression that everything the government uh, does and uh, everybody else around us is trying to mitigate suffering. Well, yeah. Well, we are on the receiving end of that. Huh? And that's a bit a difficult pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's difficult, really. Thinking that uh, you've got a learning disability and therefore, or whatever you have, and it's your right to have an extra hour to uh, take your final exam at university. Well, how, what's the freaking point? Oh, yeah, I need to have my exam at home, otherwise I'm too stressed, and when I'm too stressed, I can't really do my exam. Uh, well, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> Sorry, mate. That's the point. What about the others? Oh, but no, they are not stressed as much as me. Uh, no, people who go to an exam are stressed and some of us can't manage it and maybe you should not take the exam. You should not maybe ask everybody and if the institution are enabling you to pass your exam with an extra hour because you are dyslexic 
what's gonna happen when you're at work and and you got paged on Friday and you were hangover all Saturday and you've got a big deadline on Monday of a presentation? What are you gonna do? Um, boss, I'm not very well. I can't really come on Monday. Sick is stressing me out. Is it what you're gonna do? And and where is it gonna be? Your appraisal is gonna be. Oh, I've been discriminated upon. Well, it's all that. I think it's it's really not fair that we are all different and we've got different capabilities and different abilities. But if you want to race with Usain Bolt, you're going to be in the starting block next to him. And if your legs are a bit shorter than him and they are not moving a bit faster, you're not going to win. Full stop. And you can't have 50 meters uh, in advance. So we can all be happy ever after and hold hand when you arrive at the top and saying, it's not a race. Where's the race? What's the fucking point, really? Why are we so happy to... Are we going to cancel the Olympics because it's unfair? Because some people are running faster than you? Where do we stop? Where do we put the boundary on the whole lot, really? The system is put in light for us to highlight the differences we have with each other. And it, whether it's immunological, lifestyle, uh, uh, capability, all those kind of stuff, IQ... IQ. People who, whose IQ is below 83 need to spend 95% of their wealth to increase their IQ by 5 points. Okay? People whose IQ is 150 need to spend 5% of their income to increase their IQ by 5%. 5 points. What's fair about IQ? You were born with it. You could have two brain surgeons and your IQ is 80. Your, your, their kid can, IQ is going to be 83. It's very, very possible. It's a lottery. That's the main problem, really. And we're here to mitigate the whole lottery. So my daughter has got, uh, like me, uh, dyslexia. And I've had her tested in order for us to know exactly what is the limitation she has and what is the aspect of the whole learning that she's finding difficult in order for her to develop a tool so she can deal with the environment which is not gonna have to change. She having to change in, in order to fit the environment. The lady we did the test with, the, who did a very good job at testing my daughter, it's a three-hour uh, test, one-to-one, who, who said my daughter did have a bit of a problem with concentration. She's 10 year old, and she had to do a test for three hours, but concentration was a bit of an issue anyway. And... <laughs> But she did it really thoroughly. It's re she runs through the whole test. It's standardized. It's really great to assessing the whole lot about. Oh, anyway, okay. Let's not enter too much details. And she said, "Oh, but it's great. Oh, now that you have the thing, she can have so much help at university and in the workspace now. You know, like she can keep that because now it's like that is going to be like that." You know, she can, it's all her life now, you know. She's got that card. She got that card, she can put it on <laughs> her car and she can park close to the bakery. She doesn't have to walk, basically. Actually, well, the bakery should actually, how dare the ba how dare she has to walk to the bakery? <laughs> the bakery should come to her. Come on. Like, of course. That's the thing. 
we haven't done it for her to get any hall pass and, and whatever. I've made it for her to know a bit how is it she needs to learn. And yes, people can complain and be a bit like, yeah, but you got some money. And then you can actually pay for somebody who specialized to do the stuff. Yeah, uh, but it's a sacrifice. I have to pay. And that money is not going to go onto a holiday. Or onto the bottle of uh, whiskey uh, I would drink every night when I go on holiday. So I'm going to have to go on holiday and not drink every night. How about the whole lot? It's going to be a sacrifice, a bit, for me, really. But she will have a tool she can use in order to deal with the environment that we don't want to alter, basically. But that... that idea or that mocking of someone being like yeah but you got the money to be able to do that that yeah. that always starts somewhere and that starts somewhere by taking responsibility many years ago when you started your business and you've spoken about how slow you were for a very long time with it mm-hmm. but slow, slow, you kind of got there and then took responsibility. I was working 80 plus hour a week and you still took a sacrifice early on mm-hmm. so it's like it's really easy to for someone to mock or judge that individual story of that thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're going to have to take the sacrifice of not having a bottle of whiskey every night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some people will be like, well, you're lucky to be able to go on holiday and have a bottle of whiskey. That's it, that's it, that's it's it. like, but you're missing the point. I'm so lucky. Because that's that's the sacrifice you have to make now. That's it, that's that it, isn't it. the type of sacrifice you had to mm-hmm. you made way back when, mm-hmm. before you had your daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the sacrifice you made then mm-hmm. was sucking at your business, mm-hmm. your business plan, mm-hmm. and working 80 hours a week to make mm-hmm. it work. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a Laura Ashley card, and I don't have a Tesco card, and I don't have a leasing for my car, and I've got a bit of savings. Yeah. And the rainy day is not tomorrow, it's today. <laughs> mm. And today the shit is eating the fan, and certain decisions that certain people have made before is helping them to wave that thing really a bit that's the thing but I've had to sacrifice quite a few things really and I'm driving a Skoda Fabia that I paid uh, 1200 quid and it's all scratched <laughs> yep ah but actually I don't have to pay that much insurance to it and I don't have to pay much tax to it and it's actually doing almost 60 miles per gallon so I don't have to put much petrol into it ah <laughs> wow so it's not too expensive so I've had it now one year so it cost me 100 quid a month so far so if I get it another three years it's going to have cost me 25 pounds a month yeah but mate it doesn't you don't look that cool in it yeah but I don't give a fuck because it's sparked <laughs> for eight hours when I've done my school run. Yeah, but people do school. see you in it. People yeah. do see you in it. You bet, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you bet. And that's the thing. I don't give a fuck, really, because it's just a car. There's yeah. an idea from a guy called David Goggins who's uh, he's like one, he's like the third or fourth black guy to get through to the Navy SEALs, the Hell Week. And he's the only guy to do three hell weeks in a, in one single year. Took him three goes. And he has like a big, he, he wrote a book and um, he's got a chapter called, um, it's called, I think it's called like Taking Souls or something like that. And he does loads of like, ma- like ultra marathons and all this, all this stuff. World record for pull-ups, even though he's like a big guy and the guy who had it before was a tiny guy like me. And he's like, he's like taking souls, the idea of it when he was doing his pull-ups 
and the guy who had the record, he was shouting, shouting shit at him basically. And the idea was he was like, you're in a situation and to get that extra tiny little bit of, of energy, mm-hmm. mock the fuck out of the thing that's going to get you the, the energy. Mm-hmm. In, in the hell week, I think it was like boat crew three or something. They, everyone else was broken and the guys were like laughing at all the different teams because that's what they do. They've got to break them. And he was getting them to chant like, you can't touch me with boat group three or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were, and then these people who were running the hell weeks were looking at them like shocked, like what the fuck is happening to this group? They were like possessed because yeah, yeah. they were just taking souls. Yeah, yeah. And I love, I love the idea of like taking like I know you're, I know you're not giving a shit about status or power or anything. No, I need status. I need power. No, no, no. no. But in in this situation, in this situation, I love the idea of having a shit car. Yeah. And not and just being like like I I don't want to say like rising above it because that's but like just just not caring. Mm-hmm. It's like if if you take if you remove yourself from mm-hmm. that game that's a hierarchy of cars that I don't give a shit about because mm-hmm. to get anywhere near the middle you have to spend your life savings mm-hmm. to get near the top you have to be possessed mm-hmm. by it mm-hmm. I'm just going to step out of that hierarchy mm-hmm. you chumps can have a go mm-hmm. and I'm just going to focus on other stuff mm-hmm. I, I love that as an idea of that like I think it's like akin to taking souls like mm-hmm. just being like I'm removing myself from your game. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing it. I'm not playing it. And actually, my car is not shit. It's actually excellent because mm. it's got four wheels, a driving wheel, <laughs> and windows I can go down. I just have to push on the button. I don't even have to spend anything. It starts. It starts, <laughs> it starts every time. It starts every time. I can take my kids to. They've got safety belt in it as well. Uh, you're, you're well, for, for yeah. every, every seat, every seat, safety belt on the thing. Fuck. There's even uh, airbags. In the front, really? there's a stereo, which is really cool because we can listen to music while doing the stuff. And I've got a, a, cigar light, a cigarette lighter in it so I can put something to charge my uh, phone so I can have, a, I can have a, the um, like GPS. I can know where I go. It's great. And, and, and that doesn't cost much, me much actually. So, yeah, it's all good. It does all everything I want it to do. Take me from A to B. It can be under the rain in the car park now doing fuck all. And I'm not paying for that. Ish. Or I'm paying but so little for it. So actually, it's the greatest car I've ever had. Actually. And I can scratch it because it's already scratched. <laughs> so it's not a problem. It's, that's the thing. It's not completely a problem. I want to talk to you about my carriage light blue um, uh, golf Volkswagen golf I won't tell you about that but it's another story yeah no cars and uh, but actually I service it really so uh, uh, I take really good care of it I service it the, the oil has been changed the oil filter has been changed all the level has been done it's all tickly boop it's super easy and I do that once a year it's awesome that's it really and it does what I want it to do, really. It performs the job it, of a car. Uh, no, actually, it's even better. Uh, uh, it does what I even need it to do. And it does what I want it to do on top of it. Brilliant. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm so happy. I can't l- my wife is really super upset when she gets in my car because I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she's like, oh, no. No, but that's it, that's it. When you're raising above the game, I'm not too sure, but 
Mm. What is it's your just, priority? I, I work, I work really hard. I try to do a good job, and I think wasting the money on some things I, I really just want and I don't really need is a sacrifice I'm not really happy to do. That's all. And, yeah. and, and, and if other people are happy to do it, all fine, really. Mm. Um, the coronavirus is going to be, if you got a nice car and you've got a leasing, you're going to have to sold the shit out, really, because you're going to have to earn some money to pay for it, despite the fact that you're not working, because you're going to be quarantined, really. And it's going to be a loan. You're going to have to pay some interest for it. Thank fucking God. Otherwise, me who hasn't actually got a loan for it, who I'm not actually going to need to pay when it's the coronavirus, who's do Who's doing me a favor for having behaved in that fashion, really? <laughs> Nobody. Okay? So, fuck you then. That's it. Fuck you for not having thought about that kind of possibility. And even fuck you for having been happy to do that sacrifice in your everyday life. And I wasn't really happy to do it. And if you're not happy that you got an interest rate on a loan that is bailing you out from buying a car that you wanted and you didn't need, well, you can fuck off then. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's all. That's all I've got to say, really. Yeah, well. And I can brag about it, really. But that's it, really. I'm not playing the game or not all of it. I'm playing some of it. I pay my tax, I do the whole lot, I work hard, I try to do a good job, and I really enjoy my job. I've got a direction, I've got, <laughs> I've got a purpose, I'm orientated, I've got some tools, I've got limitations I try to contend mm. with. I'm, uh, not, uh, I'm cleaning my freaking bedroom, and uh, I'm slinging some dragons, and that comes into that, really. And, woo, aren't we happy today? Or a little happier today? Tonight, I'm going to go on my pillow and sleep on both my ears because I've got a bit of savings. The rent of the premises I work from is... I can pay for it for the next five or six months without having to work. All the rest, it's great. And I won't have to pay, repay anybody for the whole lot, really. I'll have to work at, in the next six months. Fingers crossed, really. <laughs> I'll be able to. Uh, we'll see a bit. But... At least I won't have to pay the interest on the whole lot, really, because I made the sacrifice before. You'll have to make the, some of the, us, or some of us will have to make the sacrifice after. It's only fair. Mm -hmm. If fair applies, really. I've done the sacrifice and I'm reaping the benefit today from it, really. If I don't die from the virus, really, because. It's possible. It's that's, possible. That's But I'm not very, I'm not very stressed. So I'm, I'm going to sleep like a baby. I'm sleeping like a baby. I'm not worried really too much about the whole lot. I'm not dreaming about all the stuff too much. I'm, I'm, I've bought some paint to do the decorating in my house when it's actually going to happen. So, yeah. And well, I was going to say the rising above thing, like I, I really don't like that term, but I guess the, a better way to word it is that you've chosen what limitations you're going to contend with. Yeah, for a and, while. And you, one of those limitations wasn't a big limitation of financial limitation from a car. Mm -hmm. And the other limitations that come with buying something for, mm -hmm. or, or buying something for perceived status. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And because you contended with the limitations in, in that you've chosen in, mm -hmm. in lots of ways, you have a choice mm -hmm. about what limitations you're going to take on and, and not enter 
mm-hmm. if you like, enter the game of that limitation, mm-hmm. then you're in a situation where those decisions have been relatively fruitful mm-hmm. to you now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people should go to Bristol when there's a, a ban on a diesel car and go and rave their diesel car in town and pay the fine. Because there will be no facilities for us to park. There's not going to be any electric buses, all the rest and saying poor people from Clifton who are not going to be able to have their electrician. Oh no, we're going to waver the stuff for electricians. I think they are for businesses. That's it. So it, it's a bit... It's a bit weird, in a way. Yeah, right? it is. And, and that's the thing, really. It's just like, oh, now we're going to have a retroactive tax on diesel cars because you, you've been polluting. Well, or remember about when they changed the uh, oil because it was like a kerosene eating oil who's be, we've been all asked to actually go onto uh, gas, you know? And last time the whole thing went down the Swanee, the gas was still really high. And the kerosene went down. Really a lot, really. Anyway, we are pushed at doing certain decisions and all those kind of stuff. And sometimes it's not the best one. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, really. It's But it's all about making a plan every time. Yeah, trying to have, yeah, maybe a plan or having a direction and, 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 and having the, uh, putting the dopamine on the right, on the right thing, really. But even, um, even if you don't know if it's the right thing, just making a plan and going for something and then when it goes wrong, mm-hmm. changing that plan mm-hmm. and sitting back and mm-hmm. trying to relax, go for a walk, yep. come back to it, whatever. whatever. Having a plan, having some, d- doing something, mm-hmm. writing it down, mm-hmm deciding this is what I'm going to do to make mm-hmm. to give myself more direction mm-hmm. to give myself more meaning this week mm-hmm. especially in this time where potentially the things that people find meaning in like whatever that is whether mm-hmm. sports activity or work or whatever maybe that's going to be stripped from you mm-hmm. and then you're going to need a new plan for something that you find meaningful so mm-hmm. that mentally you don't drive yourself up the wall mm-hmm. and maybe that new plan is that you need to find some meaning in mm-hmm. in spending time with your family the mental health um, fallout of that uh, quarantine is going to be very high the loneliness mm. of uh, elderly and people who have to really isolate themselves are going to really feel it because we need interaction with others really There's, and that's really stressful and that affects your immune system and that's when we're going to see a bit how contact uh, t- talking to your old neighbor getting his number all those kind of stuff or are we going to discover you, you're going to discover your the firefighters are going to discover your neighbor in four months time dead in his uh, lounging chair was that in france uh, uh, during really in 2000 and uh, so it was in 2002 summer 2000, uh, 2003 summer 2003 there was a big heat wave And maybe there was one in, in, in the UK as well. And so many people died and nobody noticed. Mm, I remember actually. Nobody noticed because they were so lonely and elderly really struggled to get the sense of thirst because of uh, with age it diminishes. So they got really easily dehydrated, all those kind of stuff. And people were noticed when it was stinking in the freaking corridor of the high rise, really. And then we, nobody knocked at the door. They, they like, belted into the wall lot to went out to the park to enjoy the sun yeah so no no it's <clears> it's, <throat> it's it's tricky I, I've not only on the sacrifices I'm sacrificing my time that's called work 
work is a sacrifice. I have to sacrifice my time in order to do something for a long, a good amount of the, of the day. And, and the little money I earn com in comparison to a few people, The lot, of, the lot of money I earn compared to an awful lot of people on earth, because I'm part of the one percent. Mm -hmm. I earn more than ninety nine percent of the rest of the world population, no doubt, like most of us in the UK anyway. Um, the sacrifice I've made, I need to invest that money and, and uh, what I've ripped from that really wisely. That's the main thing, really. And, and, and I don't want to pride myself, but I've, I've struggled enough to try to make the correction in order for that to be the case on my daily life, basically. And my weekly and daily life so far. So, and then we come to a bottleneck and that amplifies even more the, um, the effects of that everyday life as a, for the last three years has had really. And that's um, hard work and everyday work. And it takes a bit of tenacity and it takes some motivation and it takes a plan and it takes the use of resources and it really assessing limitation and thinking about it and, and really discussing it with, because I'm not on my own about the whole lot really. And it's, yeah. And a lot of people are going to be in that case really at the moment really. That's the thing. And, And other people are going to be not in that situation. And, well, if they point the finger at others, rather than look at their own limitation and the sacrifice they didn't want to make, well, so be it. But don't point the finger at me and tell me I'm lucky or I'm just a bastard, really, for having done it, really, because um, it's not acceptable, really, and you don't know what you're talking about. That's the main thing, really. Nice. Should yeah. we end it on that light note? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not anti-vaccination, okay? I'm pro-immunization, which is a bit of a different thing. Just you you did say earlier, though, that you're slightly anti it. Yeah, a bit, a bit. But I'm, well, I'm pro-immunization, well, and there's loads of reasons why. And I've, I've researched your whole stuff a lot, and I advise you, if you don't want to make the decision, to let it to the scientist to do it, okay? Mm. And, and you'll have to reap the uh, benefit and the inconvenience of it, because you can't reap only the benefit. So I'm doing it to reap the uh, on, uh, least, the least uh, inconvenience and the more benefit, okay? Which is what you try to do. But I do it with some knowledge, not beliefs, because I've researched it and I've looked at the research and the epidemiology and the science behind it. Educated decision. And knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge is something you can use. Belief is something that uses you. Indeed, uh, Elliot, well done. <laughs>